The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to Naples to meet my guests, Alberto De Rosa and Salvatore Esposito. Alberto is a cyclist, traveler, filmmaker, now also working in hospitality and tourism and Salvatore is an Enoteca owner and wine expert. Ciao, Alberto. Ciao, Salvatore. How are you today? Is it a bella giornata in Napoli? It's a very bella giornata in Naples. There is a sun, a clear sky. And it seems like late spring or summer. Oh, that, I can just imagine that. I was with you. I was with you just a few weeks ago, and I remember that sunshine. Alberto, we recently met in Naples. You introduced me to your city, your beautiful city. Showed us around and helped us to discover some really delicious things to eat and drink. Naples is a very beautiful city, but it's also a very ancient city. Can you tell us a little bit about its history? Oh, uh, it's a long history because it started about 700 years before Christ. It's a Greek-founded town. It's uh, founded by Greek colonizer, and it still has this shape, this idea. It has always been an arbor town for all his life, which made it uh, a town of exchange, human and, uh, and cultural exchange. Well, it's a so long history that, I mean, it's not easy to speak briefly uh, on a podcast about it. Yes, of course. So, uh, Greek city, Neapolis. Greek city, it's a special town. I mean, blessed by geography and history because of many, many, many footprints and masterpieces are left by the history all around the town. It's blessed by geography because being a seaside town with 
one volcano on its side, it's absolutely stunning for those who watch it. Pretty energetic because the volcanoes are two, one on the east side and one on the west side. One very clear, very volcano shape like, like the Vesuvio, and one different like uh, the Phlegrian Fields, which we also visited together very briefly, which is a volcano with hasn't the shape of a volcano, it's just lying under under the soil and it's constantly active. And it reflects on the spirits of the inhabitants of this town who are really anarchist and artistic and chaotic and uh, funny somehow. Uh, very alive, I should say. And, of course, there was a very strong Spanish influence in Naples and, indeed, in all of the south of Italy. And that reflects in the foods and wines as well. Uh, yes, the Spanish influence, uh, we, we have been for, for three centuries under the domination or the control of the Spanish kingdom. But I repeat, probably the, the Greek footprints, it's what is most evident all around the South Italy. The koine, which is a Greek term which indicate everything is common, is um, typical of South Italy. We live in a koine. It's common, the spirit we share uh, from Naples to Sicily, so to say. It's common, the love for people, for good food, for uh, good life, uh, good wine. Uh, good chats, uh, and that's it's not coming from Spanish, but it's coming from Greek. Then we have a lot of influence in the architectural, in, in the architectural, in the language, in many many things from the Spanish. But uh, what makes us unique or makes us all together is the, the Greek root. Okay. And you've mentioned as well how Naples is in the shadow of Vesuvius. This still active, always smoking volcano looms over the city. I was amazed when we were staying in uh, that lovely B&B that you helped us find, that from that rooftop terrace, we were just looking across to Vesuvius. It seems to dominate the city. And it's interesting that you say that this active volcano that, of course, erupted in AD 79 to bury the cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum, um, still contributes something to the spirit, the soul of the people of the city. There is a high awareness that life is a short time and you have to take advantage of it and enjoy it as much you can, as fast you can. That's for sure. Then uh, for many, many people coming from abroad, or from outside the town, they cannot understand really how people does to live uh, so close to such a, a dangerous volcano. Uh, last eruption of Vesuvio was in 1944, and the next one, accordingly to many volcanologists, will be Pompeian. So we all keep our finger crossed that we don't see in our lifetime. But yes, it's a dangerous environment. And from another side, it's such a beautiful environment. 
mm, the soil, the nature, the 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 the, the, the light, just uh, healing. Uh, so you don't mind so much about how will last your life, how much will last your life, but you mind how, how good will be your life. That's a kind of uh, feelings the Neapolitan shares. Okay, I wonder. That's a wonderful way to describe it. Now I'd like to turn to Salvatore because we're talking about volcanic soils. We're talking about soils that give wonderful richness to the produce, to the tomatoes, to the beautiful vegetables, but also to the grapes, to wines from Vesuvius and from the Campi Flagre, volcanic wines. Salvatore, tell us a little bit about the wines that the people of Naples feel are their wines, the wines from these areas. Allora, prima di tutto è importante sottolineare che le due zone, entrambe le zone vitivinicole uh, napoletane sono caratterizzate da uh, appunto terreni vulcanici, come tu dicevi, dicevi il che uh, permette ai uh, coltivatori di uh, coltivare queste piante su piede franco anziché innestarle su vite americana così come accade nel resto del mondo, perché eh, il terreno vulcanico, il tufo, la sabbia non permettono alla fillossera di svilupparsi e quindi consentono ai produttori locali di coltivare la vite su, mh, eh, su piede franco. Eh, questo non, non è che interferisce molto sulla qualità eh, dei vini, però dà una maggiore impronta territoriale. Uh, la viticoltura sia nei campi freghei che uh, sul Vesuvio fu introdotta dai, mh, è stata introdotta dai greci, i quali portarono con sé barbatelle di aianico, l'etimologia infatti deriva da ellenico perché fu introdotto dal greco, dal greco di tufo, che però sono due vitigni marginali nell'areale, uh, nelle areali di produzione di vino. Uh, napoletani. I vitigni maggiormente coltivati sono la falanghina e il piedi rosso per quanto riguarda soprattutto i campi freghei e uh, falanghina, piedi rosso, coda di volpe uh, invece sul Vesuvio dove però vi è anche un'altra uva da sempre coltivata e introdotta dagli spagnoli perché anche su questo hanno influito gli spagnoli che è la catalanesca. La catalanesca deriva appunto da catalana, uva catalana che fu introdotta da Ferdinando di Borbone che la regalò ad una giovane fanciulla della zona del quale si era eh, innamorato. Detto questo, da Napoli si è sempre eh, consumato vino. Molto interessante questo discorso, Salvatore. Alberto, translate some of this then about Salvatore is saying that there are two main uh, local grapes, the Falanghina, Falanghina and Piedi Rosso and Capri Ferrari. Uh, into the Flagrian fields there are Falanghina and Piedi Rosso. And then um, you were asking me for influence from Spain and in wine are pretty evident. There are this grape called Catalanesca from Catalonia. Uh, which was imported uh, during the Spanish age and uh, it has become a, a local um, a local grape. Uh, another interesting thing Salvatore was saying that uh, the, the, the volcanic nature of this soil 
uh, either in the Vesuvio, either in the flagrant fields, makes the, um, our wine yards very resistant to the phylloxera. So makes um, somehow our uh, our grapes stronger and healthier. Yeah, Salvatore wants to add something. No, la, la, la filossera è un parassita, come tu sai, che attacca le radici della pianta, ragione per cui in, nel resto del mondo si innestano subito americana. Qui da noi questa pratica non è mai avvenuta in quanto questo parassita non si è mai sviluppato. As you know, the phylloxera is a parasite which attacks the, um, the, the, the root of the plant. And uh, because of this reason, uh, in, we, we just never had it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because that's, a, that's a very interesting point, Alberto, because the, uh, the Piedi Franco, the ungrafted vines of Falangina, Piedi Rosso, planted on both Campi Flegre and Vesuvio, are vines that go back to antiquity. Both of these varieties were around in the time of the Romans. Correct, Salvatore? Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Tutti e due questi vini erano già in circolazione al tempo dei Romani, vero? La... Allora, il greco e l'aglianico furono introdotti da greci, sì, però la falanghina e il piedi rosso i romani l'hanno trovata lì, l'hanno già trovata in questo territorio dove, dove soprattutto la falanghina era una vite selvatica, uh, no, cresceva per terra e loro notavano che mar- i frutti maturando durante la fase di maturazione marcivano, ragione per cui ritennero opportuno di impilare dei tralci di legno nel terreno a mo' di falange, che era un'arma utilizzata dall'esercito dell'antica Roma, proprio per, se- per separarli dal terreno in modo tale che l'uva non fosse attaccata da parassiti, muffe e quant'altro. But Falangina and Piedi Rosso were already founded on this soil by the Romans on the, in this land. And uh, the name Falangina comes from Falange, which was uh, a kind of... Um, comes from a military background. Yes, a phalanx, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it indicates... The stake, yeah. Uh, to put in the soil, to, were to attach the wine yard in order to not let the grape um, touch in the soil where they can find paroxite or parasite or other uh, negative influence or so uh, the names come from this technique which was introduced to the roman but the wine yard is absolutely uh, original from this from this land from this region and until the Roman was used to grow wildly just on, on the soil. Great. Well, that's a very good introduction to these very important um, vines, Falangina for the whites and Piedi Rosso for the reds, the typical wines of Naples. Alberto, I'm going to return now to the city, to the food of the city. And I'd like you to tell me, share with our listeners, just something about some of the really typical foods of Naples, starting, of course, with pizza. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's 
almost worldwide known that pizza uh, was invented in Naples. So it's the typical uh, popular food from this town. You can... Where nowadays there is a huge, wide variety of pizzas. There are two, let's say, it's, I divide it in two kind of pizza. Uh, the gourmet one, I think you, you tried one uh, when you stayed in Naples, um, which is the newest uh, with a huge research by the pizza maker on flowers and any ingredients making this pizza. And the traditional pizza, which uh, is made uh, with less research, but very tasty. Uh, both are very good. We, I don't know, uh, there are, um, both are very different from the average pizza you can find abroad. In spite, in the la, over the last decade, there are many uh, pizzeria, many brands opening spots in the main European capitals, opening pizzeria, where you can find almost a good uh, pizza. But to understand the spirit of pizza, you have to understand mm, the spirit of a very popular uh, food. It's very simple. Uh, it's flowers, it's tomato and cheese and basil and oil, olive oil, and it's cheap. You can eat it seated or walking. Uh, you can have it in a pizzeria at your place as well. Um, and it's part of our alimentation since, since ever. Of course, then Naples is not only pizza. We can speak about many, many, many dishes uh, and about many, many cheese, overall uh, mozzarella cheese, which is typical from this area. The mozzarella di bufala. Mozzarella di bufala. Also, mozzarella di bufala is um, a strange in history in the sense that bufala, it's a type, it's a kind of cow um which arrived in this area probably with Hannibal it crossed it comes from Egypt from and it probably crossed the Alps uh, with the Hannibal arms and found in the neighborhood of this town I mean in the area of Capua 30 kilometers north from the town and in the area of Battipaglia which is 30 to 50 kilometers south the right amount of humidity and ponds were to establish <laughs> itself. And mozzarella, uh, we have mozzarella thanks to Hannibal, it seems so. The, the Greek and the Roman left, left a, a lot of footprints uh, on this land and marked this land much more than everyone, I, I feel. It's very personal, of course. Yes. Now, let me return to Salvatore. Uh, we met at the Enoteca Viniapolis, uh, your, your Enoteca in Bagnoli, in the Campi Flegre, a really special place. To me, it seemed like it was very, in a way, like an English pub, a place where friends gather together to have a drink, to spread out into the streets, to have a bite of something to eat. 
to watch Napoli, the football team, doing so well in Serie A this year. It was really a local place of friends, but also a very serious wine shop. Salvatore, how many bottles of different types of wine do you have in your Enoteca? You had wines from all around the world. In Enoteca, we have circa 1,000 references che selezioniamo sì in base alla provenienza, alla geografia, ma anche in base ai gusti personali. Uh, girando, partecipando a fiere, mostre, visitando cantine, ho la possibilità di uh, testarne uh, la bontà eh, e quindi di selezionarli in modo tale da uh, rinnovare sempre l'offerta ai nostri clienti appassionati. Allora, uh, so he has about 20, no, 1000 different choices of wine, uh, which are not only based on, they come from different parts of the world, but they are mainly the wines he loves. He does a research on his own, going around for exhibition, um, wine Italy, and, and so on. Uh, and to um, cantine, to produce it directly to single producer, local and not only. And that's how he makes his, um, the Vineapolis selection. Okay, and actually I could see that, I could sense that with everything Salvatore does. It's done for passione, it's done out of love for doing the things that he really enjoys doing. I want to now turn return to the Falangina wines and in particular the Falangina from Campi Flagre. Salvatore gave us a great tasting when we were there of Falangina and showing the versatility of this ancient grape variety. We had a Falangina made by the Metodo Classico, a sparkling Falangina. We had a, a, a very rich Falangina, an orange wine with skin contact. We even had a Falangina Pasito, so a terrific variety and range from this grape variety. What makes Falangina such a special grape variety when planted, when cultivated in Campi Flagre? Allora, la versatilità della Falangina può dipendere da vari fattori, uh, dagli andamenti stagionali, dalla, dalla quantità di pioggia uh, che varia no? di anno in anno, però la falanghina è un'uva versatile appunto perché si presta a vari tipi di produzione, uh, di lavorazioni, uh, proprio per, il suo, per la sua acidità. Uh, fino a una quarantina di anni fa la falanghina era venduta come uva d'aceto, poi si è cominciata a commercializzare anche vino e da lì con, con la cultura unita alla conoscenza contadina si è scoperto che la falanghina è un'uva che ha tante potenzialità, è un'uva che si presta sia alla produzione di vini bianchi fermi ma anche a quella di, di spumanti o addirittura passiti, tipi di vino che non fanno parte della nostra tradizione che però grazie alla falanghina hanno iniziato ad esserlo. Um, so, um, the, the Falangina grape is pretty versatile. Um, it depends from the amount of rains of the weather of the year, but basically it, it adapts itself to a lot of use. Originally, a couple of decades ago, it was a, a grape considered for um, vinegar more than for wine. Then they started making wine out of it. 
and it, it, it results that it um, it, it, it it's wine with huge versatility. It results that it's wine very very wide, going from Pasito, which doesn't belong to our tradition, to the sparkle version, to a very uh, still uh, version of it, uh, as you had the chance to taste. Poi è importante sottolineare, e questa è la cosa fondamentale, il suolo dei campi fredei, terreni sabbiosi, tufacei, conferiscono al vino mineralità, acidità, il che poi permette al vino stesso di essere longevo, di resistere agli anni. La falanghina la saprezza sì da giovane, ma anche con un po' di evoluzione, si arricchisce in profumi, sapori, ehm, diciamo che negli ultimi tempi sta vivendo una seconda giovinezza, perché è molto apprezzata. Una volta conosciuta, gli appassionati, anche non napoletani, riconoscono alla falanghina eh, quello di essere un vino importante. It's uh, very important to understand that the soil from on which the, 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 the fal- falanghina grows, it's a uh, volcanic soil full of sands, full of uh, uh, minerals, coming from the tufo, which is the typical stone of the Flagrian fields. And it adds to the grapes uh, a lot of flavor and a lot of resistance over the years. So recently, the, the producer of Falangina understood that the, the, the wines evolves during the year, do, do over the years, and it changes and adds uh, flavor and taste. So. Uh, a wine, uh, Falangina wine is knowing a kind of second youthness right now, and it's gaining day by day more uh, passionate people get in touch with um, with this grape and start loving this wine. Yes, I think that's what I want our listeners to take from this. Campi Flagre is very ancient wine zone known by the Romans, but Now, today, a handful of producers, because there's not a big area, are producing truly great wines with acidity, complexity, minerality, wines that can age for long periods, as Salvatore was saying. So it's really a wine zone to look out for uh, when you see that name on a label, Campi Flegre, the Falangina and Piedi Rosso both. Uh, it's a An ancient wine area, but also a new and exciting area. Sì, fino a, fino a una trentina di anni fa vi erano solo due famiglie che commercializzavano una buona falanghina. Poi, uh, ecco qui, col cambio generazionale alla guida di tante piccole realtà dove prima il vino vendeva, veniva venduto come vino locale del contadino, si sono attrezzati e hanno costruito delle cantine. Però volevo tornare sul discorso... Just let me translate this. Uh, since 30 years ago, uh, 30 years ago there were just two, two producers uh, selling uh, marketing falanghina. But with changing the generation more small producer normally 
selling their wine in um, without any label, without any bottle, sfuso uh, as we used to say in Italy, uh, they changed their mind and they start working on Valangina and making uh, a brand uh, and uh, an established wine out of it. Allora, un altro aspetto fondamentale che caratterizza uh, la territorialità, la falanghina, è la vicinanza col mare, il sale, perché spesso le, le colline cadono a strapiombo proprio a livello del mare e l'uva di questo ne beneficia anche grazie ai venti che arrivano dal mare che permette di difendere le uve da muffe e altre malattie. One of the characteristics of the Falangina is also that uh, it's produced very close to the sea on eels which are mainly on the sea. So uh, the wind is bringing, is adding to the grapes uh, a lot of uh, elements from the sea which hide, helps the Falangina to grow up stronger and defend itself from any illness. And of course, they add uh, taste and flavor to to the same wine. Of course. Now, I want to return to food for just a minute because the Enoteca Vineopolis also is somewhere that um, visitors can come and eat. And while we were there, Salvatore gave us a wonderful um, tasting meal as we were sampling these amazing wines from the Campi Flegrei. I can remember that exquisite mozzarella di bufala, which Salvatore said had been made that morning. He said if it was the previous day, it was too old. But the other dish that I really enjoyed, that is also typical, I think, is the ragù. Can Salvatore tell us about ragù napoletana? It's very different from ragù bolognese. Prima di tutto, la, nel ragù bolognese la carne viene macinata, mentre da noi si utilizzano... Uh, si utilizzano mh, carni come la salsiccia, come la uh, noi la chiamiamo tracchia e carne di bovino, aggiungiamo vino rosso, ma ciò che differenzia il ragù napoletano da quello bolognese è il tempo di cottura. Da noi le mamme cominciano a cuocere il sugo con la carne il sabato sera per essere pronto e mangiato la domenica a pranzo. Quindi un ragù napoletano richiede tra le 8 e le 12 ore di lenta di cottura molto molto lenta. Il ragù napoletano trova il massimo, la massima esaltazione appinata appunto ad un piedi rosso, data l'acidità la, e la capacità sgrassante di uh, questo vino e uh, il connubio perfetto. Uh, so, uh, first of all, the difference is in, in the meat it's used. Uh, the Bolognese is made with the grinded meat, uh, while the Neapolitan ragù is made out of sausage, of Tracchia, which is a very uh, local word to describe the kind of meat with the, with the bone attached to it. Uh, and the main difference... Okay, so a big whole piece of meat. Yeah, big piece of meat, variety of meat, cow and pork, but mainly difference is in the time of cooking. The Neapolitan ragu takes from 8 to 12 hours to be made. 
uh, it's the Neapolitan mama mothers. They wake up on Sunday very early to boil the meat into the sauce into the tomato sauce uh, over hours to be ready at lunchtime. And um, oh, it was so delicious. And the real wine Salvatore is saying uh, related to ragu, it's the piedi rosso because that's the power to remark the acidity of, of scrassare and to degrees the Neapolitan ragu, well, to degrees the Neapolitan ragu. Un altro vino che si abbina bene al ragu napoletano, al ragu napoletano è il Gragnano che prende il nome da un paese vesuviano dove si coltiva prevalentemente piedi rosso e viene fuori però questo vino più leggero rispetto a quello dei campi ferrei del Vesuvio stesso ma con un leggero brio, con un leggero petillant il che ha, maggiormente, ha, maggior, ha ancora di più capacità sgrassante, il gragnano Another wine uh, which matches perfectly with, uh, with, with, with Neapolitan ragu is the Gragnano. Gragnano is a, is a village on the Vesuvian area, close to the Vesuvian, um, on the hill of Faito, known for its pasta makers traditionally. And it's different, the wine they make, it's pretty different from Piedi Rosso because it's a sparkling wine and it also degrees a lot for the, 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 the ragù and it's very, it's perfect, it matches perfectly with the ragù. Il napoletano sul ragù beve gragnano, proprio regionale. Uh, and the local, uh, the local matching for the Neapolitan traditional people is exactly ragu and gragnano rather than ragu and piedi rosso. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Alberto and Salvatore. You've taken our listeners on a wonderful, if brief, visit to Naples and to the Campi Flegrei. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Grazie e a presto. A presto, Marcus, and thank you to you and to your listener. And I hope they know that we are waiting for them in Naples to not only talk about this, but let them taste and let them see what this town and this area is. Grazie, Marco. Grazie, ti aspettiamo per farti assaggiare altri chicche del nostro territorio. Un abbraccio forte. Grazie, Salvatore. Un abbraccio, grazie. Un abbraccio, thank Ciao, you. Ciao, We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.